episode number 389 with UFC world champion TJ Dillashaw. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. I am still so fired up from this incredible weekend experience, the Summit of Greatness. I'm still to do a recap podcast episode video about it. I'm still processing it, guys. We've we've already sold almost half the tickets of the whole theater for next year in the first couple of days, just from the people who attended the the previous event. You know, recently they was the the feedback has been mind blowing. So for everyone that came, thank you so very much. We're about to release tickets to open up for the general public here soon. So stay on the lookout for that. But uh, again, we uh, I'm so proud of my team for what we created uh, for our first event. And our, our closing DJ, DJ Irie, said uh, we, we screwed people over because we made it too good for the first event. So that just gives us something to stretch for to make it even better the next time. But I'm still on a high, and I can't wait to share with you guys everything that happened in a follow-up episode. Today's interview is with the one and only T.J. Dillashaw, who is a UFC bantamweight champion. And after graduating from college, he planned to pursue a career in the medical field before being introduced to mixed martial arts by his former assistant wrestling coach. So soon after college, he chose to follow his athletic compass and decided to dedicate himself to the sport of MMA and into full-time training mode. And in 2011, TJ was cast on the 14th season of The Ultimate Fighter, where he fought his way to the finals, and the success of the television show led to a contract in the UFC. And in 2014, he won the UFC Bantamweight Championship. It's unbelievable. And in today's interview, we cover the mental and physical routine every single day that TJ follows as he trains. Also, what the characteristics of the championship fighters have versus the rest of the people who get second, third, fourth, fifth place, etc. How any athlete today can build a brand that can support them financially. So what he's done when he was first starting out, he's only making, I think, $8,000 a fight, doing two fights a year. You can't make that much. You can't make a living off of that. So how he's built his brand to bring in other streams of revenue and teaching essentially how anyone can do that if you're building a brand. Why the sport of MMA has grown so fast, he shares his opinion, and how MMA has changed since it's become so popular. This and so much more with the one, the only, T.J. Dillashaw. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. 
With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome, everyone, back to the School of Greatness podcast. We've got the legend, T.J. Gillichall, in the house. Good uh, to see you, T.J. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, man. I'm excited. We met through Aubrey Marcus a couple years ago in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. I think it was the opening for On It, like gym or something? The DeFranco gym. They just started their DeFranco gym. And, yeah, they were having a, a podcast, and that's why we were all that's out right. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of grand opening. And what we do? Was there a UFC fight that weekend, too, or something? Or There was. Yeah, there was a fight out in Austin, because I was out yes. there coaching Joseph Benavides as well. That's right. So, yeah. I remember. So, we met originally then a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and you are uh, the former and soon-to-be uh, bantamweight UFC champion, yep. correct? Yep. And how long have you been in the UFC? I've been in the UFC since I was on the Ultimate Fighter, which was season 14, and that was... 2011? Shoot. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it was 2011, yeah. And you graduated in 2009, mm-hmm. is that right? Mm-hmm. And so shortly after, you were doing exercise science, correct? Yeah. And and you, did you ever think you were going to be in the UFC or you were to continue wrestling or doing any type of fighting? No, not at all, man. I was on a full-ride scholarship to Cal State Fullerton. I was doing clinical exercise. For wrestling. For wrestling, yes. Sorry, for wrestling. And I was doing clinical exercise science at the time and kinesiology there. And when I graduated, my plan was to go to grad school. I was already enrolled in summer school to get my prereqs done to go to grad school to become a physician's assistant and was all gung-ho on it. And uh, I got talked into fighting by my assistant wrestling coach that was a fighter at the time, Mark Munoz. He knew that I was an aggressive wrestler and thought I'd be good at it and kind of put it in my brain. And I was at one of his wrestling camps and yeah, I just kind of got, got, kind of got intrigued to do it. You know, I didn't feel like I was done competing yet. I didn't reach my goals in wrestling. So I was real intrigued and continued to compete. I just didn't know what it was going to be at, you know, you never won the championship in college, but you were like top 10, correct? Yeah. I, uh, you went to national championships a couple of times. I qualified three times for the NCAAs. Mm goal was obviously be a national champion got set, set your bar high of you know course. and uh i didn't become an all-american never placed top eight i did you know did pretty well i was ranked top mm. 10 just never panned out you it's know tough. yeah it was it's a tough weight class though right what was the weight class you're in 133 yeah it's like it, really competitive right it's it was stacked it, it was definitely stacked but it was a heartbreak i mean i remember my senior year after i graduated just kind of like bawling my eyes out that i didn't really like do what i wanted to in my career you know that like that was it. It was all for, for nothing. You know what I mean? Just kind of, kind of crash, but you know, greater later it all, it all turned around and, uh, you know, wrestling got me to where I'm at today. Yeah. And so I owe it all to it. And great foundation for the UFC, obviously, right? Absolutely. Not only for the UFC, but I just think in work, work ethic and athletics in general. I tell you what, man, I did wrestling for like one season when I was in sixth grade. And now granted that was about six, three mm-hmm. in sixth grade, about 140 <laughs> pounds or something. Yeah. And the first day, I just remember just getting put on my ass so many times. And all these little guys were just shooting at me. And I was like, this is not my sport. Yeah. I need to go something where my height matters. Yeah. Um, and I quit. That was like the one sport I did not continue. Like every other sport I continued, and I was mm-hmm. like, this is not for me. These guys are like the toughest. They're like just grinding your face in the mat all day, just sweating <laughs> on top of each other. Like, That's why was... my nose and my face looks the way it is. I'm getting beat up <laughs> I know, my you whole got life. The you know, cauliflower cauliflower ear, ear, yeah. It was just like, man, this is a it's a tougher sport than I want to be a part of. So you're you're a real man in the sense that oh. you gritted it out, and I was not able to. <laughs> I appreciate um, that, man. Wrestling's a. Uh, but I always have a lot of respect for yeah. for wrestlers, man. It's, you guys really grind. 
the, one of the toughest, it's still, it's the toughest thing I've done today. Even yeah. after all the fighting and all the training I've done through that, wrestling is by far the, the toughest martial art, teaching dedication and how to compete mm. and cutting weight. And it's a lot of work, you know? You're it's training tough. like hours and hours every day. Oh, yeah. Especially at the collegiate level. It's just like mm. a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Usually having to wake up at six in the morning for practice, go to school the whole day and then practice in the evenings and yeah. compete every weekend for the most part. It's a, it's a grueling season. What are, the, what are the uh, three or four principles that you learned from wrestling at any level that have helped you for the rest, you know, since wrestling in your life and your career and relationships? Yeah. I mean, I, first and foremost is the dedication, how serious I'd always take every season. It seems like most wrestlers that I meet are that way. The dedication of giving yourself self, self up to something, you know, and when I was a young kid in high school, my friends are going out partying, want to have some fun and you know, I was intrigued to go do that. I wanted to, you know, but instead I was waking up at six in the morning, running to school and had a dream, had a dedication. And, uh, I think, I think being out in front of all those people one-on-one is what, what creates that, you know, you don't have a team to back you up. You don't have anybody to support you. It's kind of, you're out on the map by yourself going against another man. And, uh, that, that, mm. that fear of being humiliated, I think is what creates that dedication. And that's, what's carried me through, through everything is, is the dedication from it, you know? Wow. So that's the first thing. I, I would say, I would say that's the first. And then the, the second would be, um, my health, you know, mm. making sure my body stays tip top shape and I'm eating the right foods and on the right diet and, and living that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's helped with my life now and just like kind of pursuing being, being healthy. Sure. You know? Um, when you talk about the fear of humiliation, yeah. did you ever feel humiliated a lot growing up or, um, you just, no, I guess not. I guess it was just the fear of that, like, there's no one else to blame if you mess up, you know, yeah. all eyes are on you. It's because, because wrestling, you know, you don't have a team out there. Right. It's just one-on-one. And so right. if you mess up, it's all on you. And You lose, not the team loses. <laughs> yeah. You're right. And my dad was a good wrestler and he was my coach. And there was kind of like high expectations for me because I, I was a good wrestler as a kid. And mm-hmm. so those high expectations just creates pressure, which creates the fear to be embarrassed, I guess. Sure. Not saying that I ever really was, but it was a fear of mine though, you know? Mm-hmm. What yeah. drives you today? Um, that's that dedication. I guess I've learned to to, to push and want to be the best. You know, yeah. I just have that drive, that absolute drive that I want to be the best in the world. You Why know? do you want to be the best? Because it's just a great accomplishment. I don't know. Because the greatness. You know, yeah, like yeah. I want to be someone that's remembered. I want to be someone that I know I've always tried my hardest, and that it's just, you know, I don't know. It's a tough question. It's just, it's just embedded in me. My dad raised me this way. You know, my dad's the same kind of personality, real intense and wants to be the best at everything and real sure. competitive. You sure. know, if you could map out the rest of your career, mm-hmm. how would each year go and, and how long would you go till and what would be the, the final story of your UFC career? If I can map it out, I'm going to get my belt back here before the end of this year. Um, you know, defend it, defend it, um, as many times as needed, I'd like to do a super fight, maybe drop down to 125s and beat Demetrius Johnson. He's known to be the pound for pound, one of the best in the world. You know, I can make 125, so I'd love to do something like that. And then, you know, I don't, I don't want to fight forever. You know, I've, I've seen the wrestling's taken a toll on my body. Fighting's taken a toll on my body. I'm 30 years old. You know, I got to start setting my life up outside of athletics and inside of, uh, being an athlete. And, uh, I'm starting to do so now. And, you know, I, I like to create a family and, uh, yeah. What would be the final year, you think? 
If you could um, map it out, if you could have the perfect I would, story, I would hold two belts under my name. I'd have a, I'd have a weight, uh, a belt in each weight class, and I would probably call it good. You know, I'd probably maybe do the mic drop after my fight and say, <laughs> "Thank you, UFC. I'm out of here." You know, so really, two more fights in. I mean, it could be. You never and know. Be done. <laughs> really, I'm sure it'll take longer than that. Yeah. How I mean, many years? What would be the last year you think for you? That's so tough to put. If you could, if you could map perfectly for like, yeah. yep, okay, I'm going to be healthy this whole time, and I'm going to win it here. Yeah, I guess it's hard for me to put a number on it because I want to be able to live the lifestyle I want to live. And and with fighting, you never know when that's going to be because your career can end tomorrow in practice. It could uh, continue to last forever. Um, I you know I want to. I want to build, be successful and be able to live the lifestyle I have now. So that's a hard answer. But, uh, as soon as I feel comfortable, I don't know. Right, right, right. You know, for a few more years. And yeah. Like, okay. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about when you set your goal? Okay. You, you lost the fight. Mm-hmm. And then what do you think about next? Okay. It's to get it back. Mm-hmm. What is the day to day process like for you when you wake up? Do you obsess over this vision? Do you have this? something written on your wall? Do you have the image of the person you're going to fight? Like Rocky style? Like what is the process of you mentally and physically to prepare for that goal? Uh, more inside my head than I, I don't have to put the image on the wall or the, the, you know, the believe or anything like that. It's more of, I kind of wake up and live that lifestyle every day. You know, if I haven't worked out in a couple of days, I was just telling my wife in the car that oh, I got to get back to work and I got, I got to get better. I got to do this. I got to get my belt back. It's just something that I always have to remind, remind myself to almost calm down. Cause I always want to work out. I always want to get better. Um, so it, I think it's more of just that mental battle of, of <laughs> I'm easily motivated, you know, mm. and me to get that belt back. I, I'm pushing for it every day. So she want makes She's gonna me gonna rein you back more than anything. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah I got to rein me back on that stuff. So you know, I'm wanting to train three times a day, and and sometimes my body won't let me because I'm injured, or right. you know, I need to go visit family and do these other things. So I do have to be pulled back all the sure, time. Sure, sure. Three yeah. times a day, you're usually training, or you want to. Yeah, I want during camp. I'm definitely training three times a day. Yeah. You know, some days wow. I'll take I'll take it and do two, and then take one day off a week usually. Right. But yeah, usually three workouts a day. Try to be. Yeah. What is the 24 hour process before the fight? The night before, what's going through your mind? Mm-hmm. The when you wake up in the morning, and then also probably the two hour window before. Walk me through it. Um. So you make weight the night before, and uh, the week of you're 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 focused on your fight. You're nervous, but the the day uh, the day before you're worried about making weight. You know, and you think about nothing but making weight because you want to drink some water. You want to eat some food. <laughs> you're depriving your body, really? you know. After you make weight, you're about 36 hours out, most likely from fighting if you're towards the end of the card. And from that point on, it's being ridiculously nervous and, and thinking about the fight and thinking about That's situations. That's how you feel. You feel really nervous. Yeah. If I wasn't nervous, I'd be worried, you know, because I, I feel it's that fear of, of humiliation or of what – Fear of that you're not going to perform to your best, you know, fear that you're not going to go out there and do everything like the 10 weeks I've worked as hard as I possibly can in my entire life, that it's not going to happen the way that you want it to, you know, and you have that fear in your head for the next 30 hours of thinking about what you want to do and how you want to do it and breaking it down through your head, motion by motion. And while, as you do that, you're getting more and more nervous all the way up until, like you said, the two hours before when I'm in the back room warming up and then all the nerves go away. Mm-hmm. It's Super excitement. It's warming up. It's still nervous, but it's excitement nervous. You're yeah. about to walk out there. It's game time. You're the most pumped up you've ever been in your entire life. You know, you're going to get locked into a cage to fight another human being. <laughs> you know, so it's uh, it's a big bag of mixed emotions. You know, mm-hmm. go from being scared, 
well, first it goes from being hungry and starving and wanting to feed yourself to going to being scared to being really pumped up and that walk out, just putting a smile on your face and getting ready to have some, try to have some fun if you can. I had a Randy Couture on here and he said that, you know, 20 minutes before he was just happy all the time. He was smiling because yeah. he did all the hard work and he got there and now he wanted to have fun. Yeah. Um, it sounds like he's a guy that was greatly prepared, you know, so you can be, you can have a smile hard. on your face and you can't be happy because he trained so hard. Yeah. You know, maybe guys that don't feel so confident that they did give it their all, then they're going to be a little bit more scared going yeah. out there. Yeah. But you feel pretty relaxed once you step into the cage or. Oh yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it was always that way though. Mm. You know, it took time for me to get that. It's just this mental battle, you know, yeah. it's, uh, the, the process of being scared and the process of being excited and and pumped up and then mixing that when you get in there to having fun. Yeah. Uh, usually, if you've seen from my last few fights, I w- usually walk out and I'm inside the cage with a smile on my face. You know, I'm ready to relax and I'm only... I'm only going to fight well if I'm having fun and I'm relaxed. Mm. If I'm in there thinking too much and, and too scared of what's going to happen, then I'm going to be too slow and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose. You yeah. know? So I've kind of had to learn throughout my career to kind of learn to have fun and be relaxed, have no thoughts, just relax. Well, what's uh, your most proud moment uh, in the in the cage where you did something that you either shocked yourself or you were like, this is exactly what I wanted to do or you came from behind? What's a, what's a moment you're so proud of? Um, it's gonna have to be me winning the belt, you know, in two thousand May of two thousand fourteen. You were a big underdog, weren't you? I was an eight to one underdog. No one was giving me a chance to win. The only people that believed in me were like my teammates and my coaches and myself, you know. Mm. And I'm sure even some of my teammates were like, Yeah, right, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Hinn and Brow was pound for pound the best fighter in the world, unbeaten in ten years and Wow. It it was a big deal, you know, and uh everything kinda it this never happens, but it went down as planned. I, I fought exactly how I wanted to, I did the moves I trained Everything happened exactly how it was supposed to, at least how you wanted it to when you're mm-hmm. training. Usually you have to mix up your game plan or change some things up, and that just went so smoothly that I think after the first round was when I had that uh, feeling. You know, I knocked him down. I almost finished him. I felt great. I walked back to the, the my corner, and I sat down. I was like, wow, that just happened. You know what <laughs> I mean? I almost just knocked out the best right. pound-for-pound fighter in the world. Like, this is happening. But then I had to control myself and not, like, get overly happy to, yeah. to get beat the next round. It's one punch, you could, could be done. MMA's crazy like that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. There was a, a clip I see on Facebook, people posting over and over. It's got, like, 50 million views or something. I forget the guy's name. But one guy is just getting pummeled, like, over and over. And they keep, and Joe Rogan, I think, is announcing it, saying, like, oh, this fight is over. Yeah. Like, he's about to, he's, like, almost unconscious. But yeah. somehow he keeps grabbing onto the guy. And then he comes back and hits him in, like, a minute. Yeah. And knocks him out like that. You just never know. That's the turn at any moment, right? That's the craziest thing about our sport. It changes so fast. You know, a blink of an eye, any fight can be finished. Um, the scoring is all over the place. So you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. I think the unpredictability of MMA is what makes it so great. I think that's why the the, the, the sport has grown so fast is because yeah. of that. You know, what do you love better, wrestling or MMA, and what's wrestling was by far my first love, and I appreciate it the most because of what it's done for me. It's got me to where I'm at, and there's no way I'd have this work ethic without it. But I like fighting. I, th- I felt that I felt like I, I felt like I'm built to fight. You know, um, I was always good at wrestling. Um, I was a very aggressive wrestler, kind of like mean, and it, it, it kind of transferred over to fighting. And uh, I don't know, like I said, I just felt like I was made for it. You know, it just kind of came so easy. What were the skills you needed to learn coming to the UFC that you didn't have yet where you did with wrestling? Obviously, there's lots of different arts that people have mm-hmm. in MMA. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you need to train to become better at? Definitely stand up. You know, having to do kickboxing and boxing was the thing that I needed to pick up on 
to, to become a good fighter. You know, being a wrestler coming over and doing jujitsu, it takes a very short time to be good at jujitsu because you've, I've wrestled my whole life and I've been on the mat. I've been it's very similar. Controlling. Right? So yes, yeah, very similar. There's, there's small changes you got to make to not get submitted and not put yourself in trouble. Like in wrestling, you don't want to put your back to the mat because you're giving up points In jujitsu. You want to put your back to the mat so your opponent can't take it. You know, because if someone gets on your back, you're and just pummeling you, pummeling right? you or choking you out. You're done. You know, you're done. So, so that's, you want to be on your back. In jujitsu, you want your back. If you're on, if you're on bottom, if you're in the defensive position, what's in, in jujitsu, it's also offensive because you're, you got so much offense from your back. You want really? your, if you're on, if you're on the bottom, you want your back to the mat because you have so many more chances to submit the guy on top of you and you're actually kind of controlling him. In wrestling, you don't want to take your back to the mat because that's how you give up points. That's how you get pinned. And so that's the one big thing you got to learn to change too when you start grappling is that, you don't, cause a lot of wrestlers will go to the hands and knees and then someone takes their back and then the match is over. They're going to get points. They're going to choke you out, you know, so, but those are minor things that I feel like are pretty easy. were easy for me to change. It was the stand up and getting comfortable doing stand up was what took a little bit of time, you know, um, it's almost like getting comfortable and learning how to dance and, and having <laughs> yeah. some rhythm and, yeah. You know, it definitely took a little while, but I fell in love with it because I wasn't as good at it. You know, something, it was like a challenge for me. master it. Yeah, 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 it was something that, because I wrestled my entire life. So I was over, I was like, I've done it for so much. And as soon as I got to pick up another art, I just instantly fell in love with it. And now I, I love kickboxing more than anything. I'd really? rather, I'd rather strike. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so listen we all know life is full of yada yada like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print and i know you've dealt with yada yada before like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else and yes it is possible to outsmart yada yada like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
I do a, a kickboxing. I mean, nothing like what you do. I do it like once every couple of weeks, a yeah. private class or something. But it's so much fun with like a Muay Thai kickbox mm-hmm. fighter, and it's just like the aggression, the timing, like the pacing, the art of it is so much fun. So it, for me, it's it's a perfect anger management. You yeah, I get to you re- get out everything. <laughs> <man. laughs> you get to hit things as hard as you want. You know, you work out really hard. And then it's insane how well the cardio is for kickboxing. Oh, my gosh, man. I've never sweat so much in my life. It, you get in such good shape. For anybody that hasn't ever kickboxed, if you want to get in shape, find somewhere where you can go do some cardio kickboxing. You'll get your it butt kicked. It is amazing. You'll lose so much weight just sweating every practice. It's it's a real tough workout. Yeah. It's good. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, so how do you decompress then from training and how do you relax when you're just so focused? I know how obsessed I get with a goal sometimes and it's like I can't rest at all. Yeah. How do you do it? It's tough. It's tough. Um, and I it's think, something you need to be able to recover too, right? Oh, absolutely. If you didn't, if I didn't stop thinking about fighting, then I would be so stressed out. My body would be pr- producing cortisol nonstop. Mm. I'd be breaking my body down. So it's something that I have to, I have had to focus on doing. Um, I think how hard I work out during the day helps out with that as well. Cause when I get home, I want to do nothing but hang out with my dogs, my wife and watch TV, you know? Yeah. So, the, that's pretty much my decompression is just hanging out with my wife at home. We're, we're big time homebodies. You know, I'm out all the time. I'm working out nonstop or traveling the world to, to fight or to do seminars. And mm-hmm. when I'm at home, I just kind of want to veg out. You know, I don't want to have to think about anything. Um, I don't go, I, I don't watch, everyone thinks I'm a fight fan. Like I know everything about fighting, but when I go home, I kind of, I don't want to watch any kind of TV that's got fighting involved with it. I just want to completely forget about it. Yeah, you watch Real Housewives or something. <laughs> right, something like that, yeah. I'll watch she does. <laughs> Kardashians <laughs> and Housewives. Yeah, of course. Yeah, watch something that's going to just get me to forget yeah. about fighting completely, you know? Yeah. Who is the uh, toughest competitor in the UFC right now in your mind, no matter what weight class, but just in your mind, the toughest? Hmm. I think Demetrius Johnson's got, I think he's a pound for pound one of the, the, is the best in the world. He's the 125 pounder, the, the champ at 125. The one you want to jump down to after yeah. you get this belt back. Yeah, exactly. I think he's pound for pound the best fighter in the world right now. He's been on a crazy win streak. He's been very dominant. He's kind of found himself as a new fight. Like he's been fighting at 135s and then he created 25s when he dropped down. I felt like he just kind of like recreated himself and he's just on top of the world right mm. now. So. That's the kind of guy I want to push for. I want to be known as the, one of the best in the world, and that's someone I need to beat to do so. Sure. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. Co- and Conor McGregor, what are your thoughts on him? He is very smart. You know, his theatrics has pushed him very far. You know, he's a, he's a good fighter. He's done very well for himself. But I almost think his acting and his his whole persona persona is what's yeah. so, so smart. You know, he knows what to say and when to say it and what pauses to take during mm-hmm. his interviews and how to bash someone that's created so much drama has brought a lot of attention to our sport. I don't really love it very, that much, mm-hmm. but he, he's done very well for himself. Yeah. You know? Do you feel like his, uh, outside the, the cage game is better than inside the cage game? I believe so. Yeah. He's got some holes in his game that really? Nate Diaz has shown and mm-hmm. he doesn't have very good jujitsu and his wrestling's not very good. And, and, what weight class is he? Uh, he, well, he's been all over the place. He has he has the belt at one forty five. So, so he's ten pounds to, more than you. Yeah, he's supposed right. to defend it, but he was just fighting at one seventy. Oh my gosh! So yeah, he, he's a big guy. He cuts a lot of weight to make one forty five. Wow, he's a, he's, he's a real big guy. How do you think you'd handle with him? I actually have said that I've wanted to fight a guy. I think I would do really well. You know, I, I'm faster than he is. He's really big. He hits real hard. So you got to be careful yeah, with that yeah. stuff. That's obviously giving up a lot of weight, but. You got to believe in yourself, and I believe that sure. I, I would beat him. You know, that, that would be a, a great fight for me. Wow! So you'd have to gain a little more. He'd have to drop down to 
145 or what? The only way, the 135 only, or what? There's no way he can get lower than 145. So I think even make 145 is hard for him. I would have to put the weight on. Yeah. Gotcha. You think that's a possibility? Oh, uh, it could be. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. He's got he's got big fights lined up already, but I yeah, could, yeah. I know I could do it. It's just all about first step first. <laughs> get you know? your title back. So I gotta like you said, I gotta have some long term goals, <laughs> yes. but. First goal is to get my belt back, and then I can start thinking about those things. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I have a stacked weight class though too. One thirty fives is a very stacked weight class. So when I do get my belt back, people are coming gonna, after you. There's, I'm gonna have a target on my back, and there's a lot of good kids that are, I always call them kids, but we're grown men yeah. that, that are uh, gonna be coming after me. So I'm gonna wow. have to be defending my belt to, if I'm gonna be pushing something else. It's gonna be a feat. I'll be very busy, that's for sure. If you had, say, you win your belt, your belt back. Mm-hmm. And then Dana's like, okay, you want to go after Connor or the guy at 125? And you say, you get to choose what you want. Which one would you rather have first? That's a tough one. <laughs> I think, I mean, the money fight's Connor McGregor. You're yeah. going to make money fighting that guy. If you, if you want to get paid in the sport, that's the guy to fight. How much Ever. would you make as a challenger against him? I would make a lot more than I even make being the champion of my weight class. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So you're going to have to probably push that way. I mean, it's very enticing yeah. to want to, want to fight a guy like that. It's going to be a lot of tension. And a lot of drama, a lot of talk, you know, which I, I don't really like that much of. I don't like that stuff. Either. See, I would you rather just be quiet? You think it'd be quiet the whole time? Just be like, say what you want, and I'm gonna. I'm I, I probably instead of playing his game, I would just kind of be, play the opposite. You know, I would yeah. just let him talk and just kind of be calm. Yeah, be calm about it and and not get too emotionally invested and just kind of. They'll let him do all that. Let him hype the fight up, and I don't right, have to. Right. I don't have to hype it up. But he's already doing yeah. it for me. You know. Yeah. I, I think that's the one thing that's kind of bad about McGregor is the attention. He's bringing a lot of money. He's bringing attention to the sport. But for me, he's bringing the wrong attention. Yeah, the negativity. I like the sport for it being the sport. You know, I got I fell in love with MMA because of MMA. I didn't mm. fall in love with the, the the theatrics and all the drama, which it seems like nowadays it's. Who talks the most crap? And yeah. you know you're gonna bag on this guy, and everyone's in. Like all the new fans are invested in the drama. Yeah, they're not invested in the sport. You know, and I'm more invested in the the martial artist and being respectful and and being the baddest man on the planet. You know, I'd rather be known as the aggressive professional rather than the guy that's gonna yap his mouth off to get what he wants. So. You will make more money doing it, but I really, I really just don't like it. You know, what is the biggest thing you learned about yourself since transitioning into UFC and MMA in these last five, six years? Uh, you know, since before mm-hmm. you had a lot of information in wrestling, but then mm-hmm. what did you learn personally? How did you grow in the sport? A lot. Um, so first and foremost, I think, uh, mental aspect of it and uh, learning to believe in myself more and learning that my mind can control so much, you know, it's, you're always going through this, this battle inside your own head. Like you have these negative voices that want to tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not doing the right things that, you know, this guy's better than you. How can you beat him? And then this other side to where you got to talk yourself up and you know, bash that negative, that, that voice in your head all the time, you know? So I've learned to control that more and learn to believe in myself more and to just have a better outlook on the sport and have more fun, which I still think that took me you know, half my career of fighting to even get that way. You know, I, it took me a little bit because I was, you know, very negative and, and put too much pressure on myself until halfway through my career when I learned to have a little bit more fun with it. And believe Once you believe in yourself, you're going to have more fun, you know, and yeah. once you can get control of that, it helped out a lot. I think that's the, the biggest thing I've learned. And then next is just how my body works. You know, I was a kinesiology major, so I was always intrigued in it, but I, I didn't have the best diet wrestling. Mm. I, I cut weight, but I cut wrong. Um, I didn't really know how the, the, the body worked as well as I do now. I've learned being a professional athlete and getting paid to do it, mm-hmm. you want to take 
every advantage you can and train the smartest way possible so you learn more about your body. You learn the diets that are going to help you out and the best way to train and not to overtrain. I I overtrained a lot mm. in wrestling. I always put too much emphasis and too much pressure on, pressure on training. I always figured if I want to get better, train harder, you know, but instead it was learning how to train smarter. Yeah. So That's cool. Yeah. What would you say are the, the championship characteristics of the best UFC fighters? What do they all have in common that second, third, and on doesn't have? Confidence. It's. I think it's definitely a confidence mental aspect, you know. I mean, and everyone can talk a big game of being confident, but you can kind of see how they carry themselves, mm. um, you know, positive about every kind of situation. Um, some Most of the greats that I've met are very easygoing people, too. I feel like they kind of they can enjoy life. They can kind of recognize everything and enjoy it, you know? Hmm. How does someone build confidence? Um, I think it's got to be trial and error kind of thing and learning what kind of helps you out personally. You know, I don't think everyone's going to build confidence the same way. Um, some people need to go to a sports psychiatrist, sports, what do you call them? Psychologist. Psychologist and, uh, have someone help you do that. Or it could be a mental battle with yourself and self-taught. Um, it could be you accomplishing Mm. goals and realizing, oh dang, that was awesome. And so and start doing, mimicking it. Um, how do you overcome the self-doubt that the conversation? Um, I think mine was learning to have fun. You know, I think I, 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 my path was created on per, like it was perfectly created for me to where I met some people in my life that have really helped me out. I still think to this day, the person that's helped me out with that is a friend of mine, a training partner of mine, uh, Justin Buckles. Uh, he's always been in my corner. Mm. Um, he's a coach at a team alpha male now. And, uh, those guys know how to have some fun, you know, how to relax and have some fun and get, get rid of the pressure. And I remember after I lost to a Sensao, in 2013, my next fight was against Mike Easton. And I was nervous before I walked out for the fight and, you know, real, real nervous. And I remember, I remember this always stick with me. Justin Buckle said, hey, man, you got to learn to have some fun with this. Like, think how many people would pay millions of dollars to be in your situation right now mm-hmm. to be as good as you are to walk out in front of all these people and show off. You know what I mean? Go out there and just absorb this, absorb this atmosphere. Like, you've worked so hard to get here. People would pay so much to be here enjoy the process before it passes you up, you know? And I think ever since then I've kind of been like, yeah, what's, what's the point of being so stressed out that I don't enjoy this? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. life's too short. So I still think today that's what, that's what stuck with me forever. And I think that's when it kind of flipped a switch and I've actually started fighting better ever since that day too. I've just been able to realize I've been able to relax and have fun. Yeah. I and mean, that's what Randy said too. He's like, yeah. I want to just have fun. And I felt like I could be less nervous in that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your big fear today then? Big fear today. I mean, shoot, I'd say it's a bunch of small ones that add up to make them big, but mm-hmm. it's always like making enough money, being happy, having, being healthy, you know, like wanting to create a family. But I'd say biggest fear. Um, not, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what my biggest no fear fears is. Right yeah, now. I guess not. I mean, I always, I always have fears. There's always thoughts that go in your head, but you got to kind of conquer them yourself sure. with giving them some positive influence on them. But, uh, um, nothing coming off the top right now. Nah, yeah. Talk to me about um, becoming a professional athlete brand and the business of becoming a pro athlete, mm-hmm. because we don't. Have to, you don't have to tell me specific numbers, but I'm just curious if someone is an athlete who wants to become a pro at something. Mm-hmm. How does it work for you, and how have you been able to design a lifestyle where you're able to make good money to support yourself, your family, 
your lifestyle, pay for coaches. Mm-hmm. Because originally you said the UFC doesn't pay well when you start out. You get like 8000 or mm-hmm. 20000 or whatever it is a fight. Mm-hmm. You only have a couple fights a year. So how does an athlete today, in today's age, build a brand around themselves mm-hmm. and bring in multiple streams of revenue? And how are you doing that? It's with creating a name and interest behind yourself. You know, I think with anything, it's um, getting a following, you know, having people like you for a reason or hate you. You know, you could right. be the complete heel. You know, I mean, I think that's how, I mean, people, there's people that, there's a whole country that love Conor McGregor. They follow him no matter what right. he does. But I think it started out because he talks so much trash. You get under so many people's skin that so many people want to watch him lose or be able to back up what he's saying. And so he created this interest behind himself and things have flourished. And now he's the highest paid MMA fighter. You know, um, it's creating a brand, but for me, it's creating a brand that you're going to be happy with in the long run. You know, I mean, I could be, I mean, actually, I don't think I could be, I don't think I could do it. I can't do a Conor McGregor. <laughs> right. Race, you know, I, I just wouldn't It'd be, be fake. I, yeah, exactly. It'd be completely fake. I'd be forced if I tried doing that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, my persona is kind of creating a level headed professional that's going to go work hard and try to try to get, get what he can out of it, mm-hmm. you know, um, do good things along the way, hopefully, and have right. people appreciate it. Um, and what are the revenue streams for an athlete then? You have the, the money you win from fighting, mm-hmm. sponsorships. What else can you bring in? How other ways can you bring in money as an athlete? Yeah, so you have your – the way the fighting works is you have a contract that you get paid a certain amount to show up, and then that, that amount doubles when you win. For the most part, everyone's yes. contract's a little different, but sure. the money doubles when you win, and then you have endorsements, you know, depending on – what you like to do or who you want to push. And the way I believe in endorsements is I, I go for the, the companies that things I like to do already. Like I'm a big avid hunter. Mm. Uh, I love to be on the water. I uh, wake boarding and wake surfing and mm. things like that. Finding endorsements is going to kind of push you along and, and create a fan base as well. Um, and then setting up, using your name to set up businesses and things you like to do outside of it, which I'm trying to do now. Um, You're starting other businesses? Trying to. Yeah. yeah. Um, I started a woodworking company with my brother-in-law. Um, it was a, he's a, he works for a tree trimming company, so he's cut down big redwoods up wow. in Northern California and kind of seen them just get rid of the wood, not use anything with it. And he's a very artistic guy, and uh, he's had this idea to start making furniture and big wood slabs and, oh. and cool stuff. It was a hobby of his that we're, we're trying to slowly now start into a business. It's called Murphy's Woodworks. Cool. Um, just started the website up. We got an Instagram going. We, co- we create custom uh, furniture and wood slabs and it's it's a pretty cool little thing, you know. It's it's a hobby, like I said, that's growing now into a business. Uh-huh. Um, I've gotten into my body a lot and nutrition, and and I wanted to be a, a physician's assistant, so I teamed up with uh, my nutritionist. Uh, perfecting athletes is who they are called, huh. and we're going back to the wrestling community and trying to kind of give back to them and. They've written a, a couple books on how to cut weight and feel great um, for an athlete, athlete-based cutting weight, and then also right. for people that just want to to help their lifestyle out as well. And we're kind of going back to the wrestling community specifically for me because I wish I would have known what I've known now wrestling because it would have helped me mm-hmm. make weight. Actually, would have helped my 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 body like, maybe mature a little bit faster and maybe not stunt my. I think I stunted my growth from cutting weight. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at least that's what I like to tell myself, yeah, sure. you know. <laughs> but uh, just kind of being a healthy human being that way. And so we're, we're doing going back to California to wrestling, trying to give them back to them, and going to get involved with some charities and and do that whole bit. So trying to kind of set some things up outside of fighting and try to be smart inside the cage and outside of it. Right. But that's so cool. I think that's the the main ways of being a professional is kind of tapping into everything. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. What do you think some mis- biggest misconceptions that women have about UFC fighters? They were all like meathead tough guys, you know? I, Savages. I, right? Yeah, just a bunch of jerks and yeah. Uh, cause I, every, every, 
for the most part, every MMA fighter I meet doesn't have a chip on their shoulder. They're all pretty good guys. I definitely could hang out with them all and very respectful. When you're an MMA fighter, what you have to do for practice and what you have to do for your lifestyle, it's hard to have an ego because everyone gets beat up. You know, I don't Every care how good you are. Up, you can be right? a world champion. You're going to go into the gym. You're not going to have your best day. You're go- I mean, you should be at a place where you're going to get tested or so you're not going to get better. Like, I'll have my days where I get my butt kicked and I'll come home just distraught. <laughs> so mad about it and just like, I'm supposed to be the best in the world. And I just got my butt handed to me in practice. You know, we got kids like one of my buddies, Corey Sanhagen, that I, I train with now at a, a muscle farm in, in Colorado and he'll get the better of me. And he's not even in the UFC yet, but he'll be a great fighter and just kind of like, dang, if I can't beat this guy, what's going on? But then the next day you kind of turn around. So you learn to let go of that ego. You learn not to have a chip on your shoulder. And so most MMA fighters that I, I meet or fighters in general kind of have the same same mentality I yeah feel like. and i think it's hard to sustain being in the ufc maybe you can make it but oh, yeah. after a couple of fights if you're not able to mm-hmm. i don't know have some humility at some point you're not gonna be able to sustain it you're gonna be burnt out probably right oh absolutely you're gonna be, you're gonna be a lot worried about everything <laughs> for so long yeah it's gonna be tough to tough to stay involved in the sport wow absolutely. who's about the most positive brand in the ufc in your mind i think george st pierre oh, i yeah. think george st pierre is someone that I, I like, would like to image myself after someone I like to carry myself and what he's done with his career. And he retired many years ago, right? Or he's coming back supposedly. He's no supposed way. to be coming back. Yeah. He's a machine, man. Yeah. Greatest of all time. You know, he's a mutant. What happened yeah. to him? He just, injured or? no, he's just been fighting for a long time, was on top of the world. Just, you know, and just kind of getting a little bit older and just, I don't know, just kind of wanted some time off, you know? And, wow. and I think that time he stayed in the gym, he stayed hungry. So, uh, the word is on the street that he's, Hopefully signing a new contract with the UFC and going to be coming back. How old is he now? Do you know? Mm, let's say he's 35 or somewhere around there. No, it's not that old. Like it's mid-30s. It's not that old. For... for fighting, it's towards the end of your career, yeah. you know? I, well, one part of me doesn't want him to come back, though, either, you know? Because he's the greatest of all time. And I think he, he's the best image for fighting. His image, yeah. I hope not. I hope he comes out and looks awesome, you know? But That's you never tough. know. He could, could come out and show everyone how much the sport has grown in the last 10 years, you know? So... But that's why I think he's got the best positive influence on the sport. He carries himself sure. the best way and gives fighting a good image, you mm-hmm. know, a better image than someone like Conor McGregor yeah. would or something, you know. Now, there was a an image on Instagram or Facebook that I saw of Conor's wife or girlfriend. Mm-hmm. His wife? Uh, girlfriend. Girlfriend mm-hmm. who's like in the ring after like him winning the first championship mm-hmm. and a message about how – she was always there for him and always supported him, even when he had nothing and this and that. Mm-hmm. How important is it for you to have a, an incredible relationship to be able to continue to grow as an athlete? Or do you think you'd be able to be where you're at and win the title without the relationship you have? I wouldn't be able to. Mm. Um, my wife's been with me. We've been together 10 years, married for two. She was through my whole entire wrestling career. So she's followed me around, helped me out with everything I needed, you know, she's got my back for when I need mental support. When I do come home from those practices and just distraught about getting my butt kick. And she's like, this is normal. Don't worry about it. This happens all the time. I mean, every camp you're always worried about it. Having a, having a strong woman behind you helps out a lot, you know? Um, so you don't think you'd be where you're at as an athlete without that. I don't, I mean, I've never, never thought otherwise, you know, I've always, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's a very important thing to I mean, she keeps me level-headed. You know, I can't mm-hmm. let my head get too big because she'll <laughs> she'll she'll smash it down. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, keeps you in check. Is that uh, true? He's not gonna. <laughs> <that. Yeah>. Um, <laughs> helps out. You know, helps out with my diet. Helps out with the yeah. things I need. And 
yeah, I think it's, I think it's very important to have a good home life. You know, I mean, home life for someone else might not be having a wife. It could be whatever. It could just be good friends that are around you all the time, you know, but for me being a good homebody, support. good support system. Yeah, yeah. And for me, that's my wife. How important is having the right coach train you for the UFC? Very important. Am I, I mean, I think it's, it's very, very important. It's good to have great teammates, great gym, but most importantly, a great coach, someone that you can believe in and trust your career with, you know, cause trust your life with exactly my Essentially. life. Yeah. I mean, he's the one that's telling me what I should be and shouldn't be doing. And if I don't believe in that, if I don't like take that to heart and know that he's got my, my best interests at heart, then it's hard. You know, it's hard to, to get better with him. It's hard to grow with that person. And, and to find that coach, I think means so much to, to be successful in the sport. I think finding yeah. that right coach is, is really important. And that's why I moved from Sacramento to Colorado because mm. I found that person. You know, I, I was fighting for three years before I met Dwayne Ludwig. I was a team alpha male in Sacramento. Great team. Awesome gym still to this day. Dwayne moved to Sacramento to, he retired because he, he blew his knee out and was done fighting and wanted to start coaching. This was his first coaching position he ever put in for. Mm -hmm. And we, and Team Alpha Mill accepted it and he moved to Sacramento and started coaching us. And the first practice he taught, I knew that he was the coach for me. We just kind of clicked perfectly, same mentality. And then our, our relationship continued to grow from there. Um, the next two, two years of him at Alpha Male, I won a belt. I made huge gains with him being there. And you won the championship, right? Yeah, I won yeah. the championship. Two years. Yeah. And just knew that that was the guy that I needed to continue to be with, you know, not, not so much a crutch, so much as, as someone to help guide me and someone that I, I trusted in, you know, and believed in and knew that he would always give me the way I needed it. The straight shooter. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Do you feel like you could have won the belt without a coach? Oh, I don't think so. No, I think everything that I've done in my life, you know, the way I was raised, the woman I have, the coach I have was all meant to help groom me to, mm. to get that belt. Mm. At least I like to believe yeah, yeah, that, yeah. you know? You know, it's funny. As an athlete or former athlete, I still play with the USA handball team, but mm -hmm. as a former pro football player, I just knew that there's no way I could have gotten there without the coaches I had. Mm -hmm. And I tell all the listeners who either played sports or didn't play sports is like, listen, you need to have a coach in business, mm. in your life goals. You mm. need to have someone coaching you who's great, who's been there and done that. Otherwise, it's going to be really hard to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. So I talk about the importance of having a great coach, even when you're at the top mm -hmm. of any area of your life, because that's going to serve you in moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was a champion of the world when Dwayne was coaching at Sacramento and moved to Colorado. And I knew that me being in the best of the world, I needed to have the best coaches in the world. And I, I believe that was him. So I packed up my entire life. My whole family was in California Crazy. and I live in, uh, live in uh, Boulder, Colorado right now and train with Muscle Farm out in, out in Colorado. So, Amazing. There yeah. You go. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, having, a, having a coach is very important if like that doesn't that. show it enough. Sure, but, sure. Yeah. Um, a few final questions for you. What's yeah. something you're most grateful for recently? Um, most grateful for is my family. You know, the way that I've been raised and I feel like the ethics I have and the way I kind of carry myself is all kind of stemmed down to how I was, how I was raised, I believe, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think 
I, I've, I'm happy with everything I've done in my life, you know, yeah. good or bad. I'm happy that it's happened and I'm, and I'm happy of my path. And I believe that was the way that I was raised. Sure. Yeah. Do you believe I'm writing a book about masculinity right now? I'm okay. doing research. Okay. Do you believe you have to be physical to be masculine? Hmm. That's a tough question. It's not a trick question. I'm yeah. just curious. I know, but it's tough though, because yeah, yeah. I, I want to say, yeah, but I'm, I'm sure, I mean, because when you think of a manly guy, you know, he's like, oh, he's working out, he's, he's out hunting, he's building a house, he's doing mm -hmm. all these manly things, which usually cause physical activity as well. Right. So I almost kind of want to say, yeah, you yeah. know, it's kind of hard to be a man's man without being physical. Sure. So. What is your definition of masculinity? Um, being all the, Support a family, um, take care of things. Um, you're a handyman. Uh, you know, for me, it's an outdoorsman that's going to take care of, of of your family and be able to provide is mm -hmm. the masculinity for me. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like roles have changed between men and women since we've been growing up? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a lot more. I mean. You know, so you have the equality. You want everyone wants to be treated like a man, which I, I believe in. But it's also creating this stuff where they have a completely different lifestyle now. You know, mm -hmm. it used to be, you look at my grandmother. I mean, she'd live to wait for us to get home and cook us a meal right. and take care of our everything at home. You know, and now it's a lot of women are doing both of that or only working. You know, mm -hmm. and there's stay at home men now too. So I mean, think roles have definitely changed. How absolutely. do you think that's affected us as a as a culture or society? Do you think it's created more conflict or more harmony or I'm sure a little bit of both, mm. you know, um, it's funny. We were just kind of talking on, uh, about this on the Rogan podcast. Uh, yeah. boss Rutan was bringing up the fact of, you know, going to war and, and women serving in the military. Cause men always want to protect a woman. Like that's right. so instinctual and you want to protect women, you know, and now we have women on the battlefield. Is, is that a good thing? Do these men push to try to still protect these women, even though on the battlefield and, mm. you know, so we're kind of pushing like, you know, is, is that good or bad? But you also can't say that cause you don't want to be a sexist either. Right. You know? So I think, it, I think it creates maybe a little bit of both, you know, some harmony because everyone can be treated equally, but then some, yeah, some, confusion some, with our yeah, like our mental makeup or something, right? Yeah. Exactly, because we all mentally absolutely have this this genetic code of how you're supposed to think and made, you know. And uh, yeah, I think it, it kind of pushes the limits on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you like where things are moving towards, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I mean, like you said, there's a lot of confusion up in there and there, but that kind of makes life interesting, you know? You're never going to be able to, to meet someone and know exactly what to do by looking, like by judging a book by its cover, you know? You can't just see someone's wife and be like, oh, she stays at home and takes care of him, you know, when she could actually be the breadwinner out and True. taking care of him, you know? So I think True. it's, I think it's a lot of fun, actually. Um, this is a question that I call the three truths. Okay. I ask everyone at the end of the, towards the end of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So say it's your final day. Many, many years from now, you've, you've achieved everything you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. You've got all the kids you want, grandkids, whatever it is you want, you had it. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the end of the day, you get to write down on a piece of paper three things you know to be true mm -hmm. about everything you've experienced in your life that you would pass on to the world, your kids, the world. Uh, but they would have nothing else to remember you by except for these three truths written on a piece of paper. Three truths about myself or how three to live life? About, yeah, your experience in life and, and what you would tell people to do as um, kind of these three principles, these three things you know to be true. Yeah. Um, I think the first would be that life is tough. It's very, very hard, you know, and, and emotional. Um, that'd be the first point. I think the second point that any problem can be conquered and, and to believe in, in the, the process of life and what you're doing and, mm -hmm. and to follow your, 
follow your instincts, you know, and then the third would be to find love. You know, I think that mm. that kind of makes everything in harmony and kind of helps you relax and, and keep it all together. I think the love is what keeps the, keeps the whole life together, you know, sure. without, without love, it'd be all anger. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you That's know, true. I like those. Those are good. Good. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> uh, before I ask the final question, uh, where can we connect with you online? Um, my social media, it's all t- my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook is TJ Dillashaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a website, TJ Dillashaw Inc. Or I'm sorry, TJ Dillashaw.com. Um, and then, uh, created, uh, Murphy's Woodworks. So I'm always putting stuff cool. on there as well. So you guys ship all over the place, all over the, the country. We haven't started yet. Like I said, this is, yeah, this has been, that's the big picture goal, sure, right? Sure. Is to be able to ship all over the place. But as of now, it's all been kind of locally sure. and, yeah, we check little... out the art online though. Yeah, exactly. Check it out for now. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and we don't know when your next fight is, but you might be. So the push is the fight the end of this year. I mean, it all depends when Dominic Cruz is held. So Dominic Cruz is the champion that uh. I supposedly lost my belt to. It was a bad, de- <laughs> it was a bad decision in my book and a lot of people's book that I should still have my belt, but that's the way life goes yeah. and you got to follow the process. And so I'm hoping to fight Dominic Cruz by the end of this year. Nice. Um, nothing's been announced yet, but, uh, you know, I got a call from Dana White before we did this podcast. So hopefully so that's what I'm waiting to hear here in the next few hours. Well, so if this is announced. We'll put it up on the show notes of when it is. Then. Perfect. Fight, if you yeah. let me know later, I'll definitely let you know. Yeah, I'll, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll keep everyone informed. But yeah, hopefully fighting for the belt by the end of this yeah. year. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, before I ask the final question, TJ, I want to mm-hmm. acknowledge you for a moment mm-hmm. for your ability to transition in all these areas of your life. You transitioned from a great wrestler to UFC to being an underdog, eight to one odds. Is that mm-hmm. what it was? Mm-hmm. Eight to one and shocking the world. I remember seeing a photo of Aubrey Marcus after you won. He yeah. was in like the second row or something, maybe yeah. the first row. Like a photo of him in complete joy and shock saying yeah. like he did it. Yeah. I just remember that moment being like, wow, what an amazing underdog story of someone who just shocked the world. I and mean, it kind of gives me goosebumps you just saying it right now. Exactly, right? man. Yeah. I, that's something that was so vivid for me is mm-hmm. like this this kid who's like had a dream who made it happen. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge you for your incredible work ethic, Appreciate your ability it. to believe in yourself and show others what's possible because mm-hmm. when we do believe in ourselves and work hard – Look what we can create. And you're an amazing yeah. example, man. Appreciate it. You can really create yeah. the greatest things with belief, man. That's it. There's a there's a video on YouTube, it's the power of belief, and it's from that fight in my career. And uh I had a friend of mine that created it, and it's a really cool video. It mm. still gets me pumped up today. If I'm feeling down in the dumps <laughs> and I need watch to watch yourself. a video that pumps yeah. me up, I watch the power of belief. It's it's we'll pretty link cool it up video. on the show notes as well. Cool. Um final question what is your definition of greatness? Definition of greatness is the ability to to conquer everything that you want to i guess you know the what you set yourself to and not giving up you know cuz it might not be the 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 biggest goal in the world but as long as it's something that you hold high in your own heart and pushing for it you might not get it but as long as you're always pushing for that goal and always pushing to be that i feel like that's greatness you're pushing for greatness you're pushing for that one object you know and uh i feel that that's greatness for me TJ, thanks yeah. for coming on man absolutely appreciate i appreciate it, it. thank you Boom! Mama said knock you out. Hope you guys enjoyed this one and you got uh, a burst of inspiration and motivation to kickstart your day and your week, whatever time it is for you. Very excited about this. Make sure to share it with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 389. Make sure the next time you watch the UFC, you are supporting my man TJ Dillashaw and leave a comment over on the YouTube channel, on the blog, 
on social media. Tag me and TJ. Check out all the show notes, videos, links to connect more with TJ on social media at lewishouse.com slash 389. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. And if this is your first time listening to the School of Greatness podcast, make sure to subscribe over on iTunes because we do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And it's all about bringing you the greatness to inspire you, educate you, and lift you up in your life, in your business, in your relationships. That's what we do here at the School of Greatness. We teach the things that they don't teach you in school, the things you need the most to get the most out of life. Boom. Super pumped for all the incredible guests we have coming up. Just interviewed a guy named Wim Hof today who is considered the Iceman, who has broken, I think, 26 world records in freezing cold temperatures without clothes on. He can run marathons with shorts on only. He can climb mountains in shorts. He can do all these crazy things, hold his breath underwater for four or five minutes or something crazy in sub-zero water. He is a machine, and he teaches other people how to overcome any challenges, overcome any stress, anxiety, fear, doubt, by mastering the mind and mastering the breath. So many incredible interviews coming up. I'm super pumped to be sharing them with you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Share this out with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 389. And you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Pandora makes it easy for you to find your favorite music. Discover new artists and genres by selecting any song or album and we'll make you a personalized station for free. Download on the Apple App Store or Google Play and enjoy the soundtrack to your life. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.